Did you see CBS this morning? No. You did not. What's oh, on yeah, CBS? They did a story on. Yeah, Tucson they did a story on Ruby because it's her 40th anniversary. Uh huh. They talked about the Tucson Gym Show. They interviewed Bill Larson. I got a bunch of jewelry for him that, you know, might have been a little too high priced. <laughs> the necklace is a million dollars, but okay, I'm ready. All right. Welcome to another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. And we are coming to you from the AGTA Tucson Gem Show, here with the CEO of AGTA, Doug Hucker. Hi, Doug. The Doug Hucker. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So what we like to do first, the first question we ask anybody, is their first memory of a gemstone or a piece of jewelry? First memory, golly, I would have to say probably my mother's wedding ring. Yeah. Okay. I what mean, was it? It was a small diamond. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it, my 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 mother was uh, part of her generation, and diamonds were the the perfect uh, thing to represent that important lifestyle event. And yeah. so, I would say my first memory would I kind of have to go there. Yeah, and so. What's your story? Where did you start? How did you end up here? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a poor country boy. (laughs) Grew up in Eastern Oregon. Okay. And uh, went to Baker High School. There you go, Baker Baker Bulldogs. Baker Bulldogs. Got it. Went to college, uh, journalism major. Uh huh. Uh, Went to work back in Baker at my hometown newspaper. And I kind of got the small town wanderlust and I moved to California. Because I wanted to study photography at okay. a photography school in, in Santa Barbara. And I um, met up with a, uh, a woman who I um, went to high school with. I went through parochial school and high school with. And she was yeah, working at the Gemological Institute of America. And she knew I was a photographer because that's what I was there studying. And so I was asked to photograph gemstones for the so Gemological that's how Institute. You got- Involved in the industry. That's exactly photographer. How, that's exactly how I got involved, and you know, I was it was kind of a part time fun type thing and helping a friend. But I discovered when I moved to California that it was expensive to live, so I started working for GIA, building microscopes and doing the whole routine. I uh-huh. became fascinated with the gemstones themselves, and um, I started studying correspondence, and I got my GG. Uh huh. And one day, Richard Litticote uh, called me into his office, and after a long conversation about all the photographs and all those kinds of things, he says, we really don't need a photographer. Do you think you could teach? All right. And I said, well, yeah, I can do that. So I became an instructor at uh-huh. GIA in the what we called traveling program. Now it's called the uh, extension program. Uh-huh. And I traveled around the United States and taught classes on diamonds and colored gemstones in all the different cities. And when you do that, you begin to meet everybody in the industry. And so I I knew a lot of people. I became um, politically involved with associations and things. I left GIA in the mid-80s. Uh-huh. And had my own gemstone business. And one day, uh, Richard Kremitz, who was a very famous name in the jewelry industry, yes, who yeah. I had. I was also, uh, uh, once I left GIA, I was asked to be on the board of the American Gem Trade Association. Okay. So I was on the board back in the mid-80s. Uh-huh. And I met Richard. Richard asked me to come to work for him and run his gemstone division. So I worked with Richard. Then I worked, uh, you know, many years there. I worked uh, with uh, a good friend, Mark Moeller, uh-huh. Moeller Jewelers in Minneapolis. We had an estate and antique jewelry business. And, you know, I knew people all over the United States, so I kept in contact with them. I had a good reputation. I was very good for a business. Yeah. Along about the time I was early 40s or something, you know, it was, it was wonderful, uh, but it wasn't just all fulfilling. Yeah. And I got a call from a friend of mine who was attending a um, Congress, ICA Congress, in Brazil. And he says, you know... The Brazilians party. I bet it was a good time. (laughs) I was not there. He was. Ah. (laughs) But long story short, he said, 
the AGTA needs an executive director. Would you be interested in that? And it really flipped on some lights. You know, I'm thinking, because I had been on the board and involved in AGTA and still had, I was still showing AGTA shows even though I had other business. And I said, yeah, I, I really would. And they called me out to Los Angeles where the president was at that time and they hired me and that was 21 years ago. And it has been absolutely a wonderful, um, fulfilling yeah. um, ride now that I'm halfway through it. Yeah, halfway. <laughs> <laughs> so as the CEO, you kind of steer the ship. Yes. Right? What direction are you steering the ship right now? <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> you know, um, really... I reckon the, the, the board of directors steers the ship. Mm-hmm. Not so much I get a I get to be at the helm, but they're the ones that decide where the ship's going. Yeah. And so what we do is we we listen, they provide direction, they provide the vision, and they provide the ideas of what needs to happen and we try as best we can to implement those ideas. Yeah. Um, and as such, you know, I, I, I know where the ship's going because it's the AGTA has always had a mission that is pretty easily defined. Yeah. It's just the way you get there and what board you're working with, where the priorities occur and things. But, you know, we want to make colored gemstones and cultured pearls the uh, the most desirable of all things jewelry. In fact, the most desirable of all things. Yeah. So we want our job is to promote color, whether it's promoting um, to the, the, the end consumer itself on our websites or our spectrum of design competition. Mm-hmm. Um, now with social media, it's a little bit easier with your Instagram accounts and things to touch the public. Yeah. Um, we do, we want all of the people that buy colored gemstones in the jewelry industry, whether they're retailers or manufacturers, we want them to know the AGTA, the American Gem Trade Association, those dealers are the people with the knowledge and the, uh, the the ethics and the professionalism. Those are the people you need to be doing business with. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to educate the the world about color, and we want people to know that the, the American Gem Trade Association member dealers are the people they should be buying their gemstones from. Yeah, and I think one of the most important things with AGTA is you are very strict about disclosure. On all of our invoices, we have to list exactly what happened to that gemstone. And I think that's one of the most important things. And and I don't know if you can elaborate on that or how difficult it is, but um, it really, it makes it easy for people to trust us. Yeah, and, and trust is one of the things that um, is hard for anyone to come by in the jewelry industry just because it's, you know, it's the jewelry industry. We've always suffered somewhat with the fact that people don't know and understand jewelry. It's very exotic. It's very exciting and intriguing and perceived, at least, as something that's very expensive. Yeah. And when people make a decision like that, they're always a little unsure of what they're doing, but I think that's one of the reasons that the AGTA has evolved into such an important organization is because that was our foundation. Yeah. Say, we will tell you what's important. What do you need to know to make an informed decision on a colored gemstone? And you should feel confident that that information will come to you from uh, an American Gem Trade Association dealer. Yeah, absolutely. So on that education side of things, I know you have a lot of different educational resources on the website. Can you tell us a little bit about that, both from a consumer standpoint, but also from um, from a, from like retail store employees and from a member standpoint, what resources do you have for members for educating themselves and their staff, especially, you know, we all you know love the GIA, but some people don't have the time, the time. or the resources to do that. So what, what is the ADT? A provide as far as education. Well, it's it, it kind of uh, uh, varies, Jonathan. The, the the thing about education is is that we all know that the better educated the salesperson is, 
the better they're going to be equipped to work with customers. Right. Because customers, customers themselves are becoming more and more educated. And oftentimes that education comes from the internet or, or other places. And it, that's not always quality education. Sure. That's not a pejorative sense about what's out there. But um, one thing, you know, starting out as an education, uh, educator and then coming to this, where we are right now, the best delivery for any education is the internet. Right. Okay. And what we've done with our website is tried to make it comprehensive but non-threatening. All of the 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 the, the gemstones that you would uh, expect to regularly occur: rubies, emeralds, sapphires, tanzanite, tourmalines, amethyst, moonstone. Um, those types of gemstones we feature on our website for anyone and everyone. It's not industry specific. It is. This is where the gemstones come from. These are the conditions under which mm-hmm. they come. This is the market it goes through. These are the characteristics of the gemstone. Um, you know, what makes a ruby? What makes a sapphire? What makes a ruby different from a spinel? Uh, we don't talk much at all about price, but we talk about hierarchy sure. of price. Sure. Ruby being one of the most expensive of all the fine gemstones. Um, we talk about what makes... Uh, certain gemstones appeal to certain people. The emotional aspects, why blue is so important, why red is more mm-hmm. of an extroverted color, and, and those, those, those types color. of... Yeah. It's the kind of thing that uh, um, casual people would be able to read and say, I know more about gemstones and I feel comfortable. I didn't know that, and that's kind of neat. And that's the kind of thing I think um, people behind the counter need. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the problem we have with education in any sense is that, you know, people behind the counter have lives. They have children. They have uh, their days off. And they they want to have and need education that's easily accessible and um, inexpensive. And that's what we try to do with our website. We also have um, our point of sale materials, gemstone cards that we it's provide. It's org. AGTA.org. Yep. Yes. Okay. That's our that's our website, and you would go to gemstones and click on gemstones, mm-hmm. and it will it will pull up uh, all the different gemstones on the list, and you can go through and select um, what you like. Um, I think now with the new generation and the new tools, our Pinterest, our I'm sorry, not Pinterest, our Instagram account yeah. is a great place just to see nice gemstones and little little bits of information, but. You know, oftentimes just seeing that gemstone and getting excited about the color and you didn't know a topaz came in that color, you know, or, or wow, a star sapphire or a star mm-hmm. ruby. And we have seen our Instagram account is probably the second largest in the industry. Yeah. it's. I mean, and you have a great following. We have also a little more formalized education here at the show. And Jim for Tucson. So, are these the people walking around with the student badges? Well, uh, uh, they we, say AGTA student. No, no. Oh, okay. Those are what we do is we recognize the fact that the people who are studying at GIA or at other educational organizations are our next generation. So, we have a student membership okay, in our organization okay. that costs fifty dollars a year or something. And we invite students from all over the globe to come. Now, if they're not from the United States or Canada, they, they cannot become members, but we accommodate right. them. But we want young people who are studying to, to come and see the, and experience and talk with people that you can get one kind of education in a classroom. But when Absolutely. you talk to Jonathan or yourself and you're yeah. showing the goods, that is much richer, <clears throat> much more impactful education. Yeah. It's mar- it's a it's a market understanding, which is what you don't get in a classroom. I remember Vincent would always call everyone that came fresh out of G- GIA go go gemologists because you know we thought we had all these tools, but then you got to go out and you you've got to learn, you've got to make some mistakes, market, you've got to experience, experience what's yeah. available, experience the different qualities, and you can't do that nearly as much in the classroom as you can in the real world. No, you know I was a color gemstone. Well, I was I taught both at at GIA and. One of the most rewarding things for me was, I mean, you know, at GIA, you have samples of everything. They have the right RI, the right SG and thing, but it's not exactly knock your socks off. Oh, yeah. Incredible yeah, yeah. stuff. They're like chipped and yeah. broken and tiny. So, <laughs> that was broken, not done. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, 
I remember one time teaching in a class and um, uh, a gentleman by Honest to God, his name, he was a gemstone dealer and his name was Rock Courier. Right. Ooh, what a and, good name! And, and and when they would come by the institute, we would oftentimes invite them into class, and 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 um, it was uh, you know I had the class gathered around the desk, and we were looking at different stones, and and up came about a five or six carat alexandrite. Now that's not the kind of stone that you have in class. No, we all learned about it. We had little ones, and we had flashlights and fluorescent lights and all that kind of stuff. And he he brought this stone out, and I said, oh. My God. And what I did is I took the students and I walked out of the classroom over to the front door so that we had the, the natural light and we showed that stone. And then I said, now you got to come. And we went into the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I turned the lights off in the bathroom <laughs> and then said, who's got a cigarette lighter? We didn't try. Oh, okay. and, and we took that cigarette lighter and lit that cigarette lighter and it just flamed on red color and it was just like ooh ah ah ooh and it was really really cool but I noticed at that point that my hands were getting sweaty <laughs> and I, I think that it, to this day that was a transformative experience for me saying these are not just analytical scientific things these are really and that's when I I started to fall in love with with gemstones, yeah, and it's it, yeah. I still love Alexandra. I still pay, take people into bathrooms to show it to them. <laughs> I've heard that quite a few times at retail stores because a lot of times that's the only place you have that you can turn off the lights and can really control the lighting. Is is in a, is, is you know, in the either bathroom. that or the broom closet? And usually, not enough room in there. Well, you know, it, and it's it, it brings up something important, Jonathan, and that is. Uh, so many times when you're showing color in a in a in a uh, environment like a, a fine store, you really need to move oh, because yeah. the light's going to be one way here and one way there, and I think that is such something that engages the customer. They're part of a presentation now. They're they're so I love to take. Yeah, the rule is warm colors look good in incandescent light, mm -hmm. and cool colors look good in natural light. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a fluorescent bulb is a little uh, contrived. And if you can walk a customer, take that beautiful staff over over to the window where you've got the yeah. the natural light, and they can see it, just how wonderful it is. And you're working with a ruby, maybe you want to go over to the, the candelabra or take them in the bathroom and light a cigarette lighter. I don't know. But that's important to understand and appreciate really the color and understand the fact that they're... They're crystalline materials, but they're living things. Yeah. You know, they, they they just show themselves off well in different kinds of light and different kinds of conditions. Yeah. I yeah. do a lot of special events, and I, I always tell people, let's go on a field trip. And they always look at me funny. You know, it's like, well, let's go. You know, you're here for an education and for something, an experience. So I said, let's go on a field trip. I love to take the stones outside, and, and that's what I do a lot of times. We're gonna go outside. Say, yeah, why not? Let's take it outside and let's go on a field trip. And I think that's, <laughs> walk that's it something. down the street. Yeah, you walk it down the street, <laughs> and or you know, let's take the let's take this ring for a walk. And uh, I, that's one of the things I've always found. And and I think so many people are think that jewelry, you know, it sits behind glass, and that's not the best place to view to view colored gemstones. Jim, uh, jewelry, and especially colored gemstone jewelry is an experience, and it should be presented that way. Yeah. And when you do that with a customer. Um, they have an experience. You know, uh, there's stories about gemstones. There's there's history behind gemstones. But it's like you say, it's not just something sets beside glass. You take a look at it and you say, you know, this is how much it is. If you have that experience, I mean, the greatest thing in the world, the most rewarding thing in the world is to be in a social situation where you see someone that you showed a particular gemstone a particular way and you see them doing the same thing. Yeah, to yeah. their friends yeah. or something. Yeah. That's really the experience yeah. that they've had. Now they want to share that with everyone else. And exactly. That's really what jewelry is all about, and that's one of the hard things is, is that jewelry is can be expensive and can be valuable, and so obviously there's a security side of it at a fine jewelry store. But at the, on the other hand, once someone purchases that, that's not how they that's not how they're ever going to see it again. Is behind glass. They need to wear it. They need to touch it. They need to feel it. They need to have that experience. And, that's one of the things that I, the first things I teach when I go in and, and do training with, with my jewelry stores is get them out of the case. Let them hold and touch and feel. Even if it's not what they want to buy, 
Show show them everything. Let them touch yeah. everything. Because once you start moving around and touching it, it's a whole new experience. Well, yeah. and not only that, but when they leave with it, they come. They become not only satisfied customers, but they become salesmen for you. Yeah. 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 Well, you can do. You can have sensory overload here in Tucson. I remember my first Tucson show, and I walked through the doors, and it's just like anything that you could possibly imagine in the whole world is here. Is here. Is here. And it and it sometimes and you go crazy. And then I start sweating when I see something I like. I start getting like <laughs> agitated, like oh, I have to have this. I want this. I have to have this. You know, all this stuff. And it's 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 an incredible place to be. And if you've never been to an AGTA Tucson Gem show, you're missing out. It, it's like I would say a pilgrimage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For yeah, for, for all for anyone that loves. <laughs> Gemstones. It is a. I it would is. call it a pilgrimage for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you also the not just the amount and the quality of gemstones here, but also the wealth of knowledge. These yeah. are all the people that are at the top of their game and the experience level, whether they're first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation, or you know they're or they're you know we've, there's PhDs in this room. There's the you know, Smithsonian Institute. The Smithsonian Institute. There's, yeah. there's there's so much knowledge in this room, and what I find even as even as a as another dealer, exhibitors are so passionate here about what they do that they're willing to share it with anyone. Yeah. Oh yeah. And each other. Even if they're not yeah. going <laughs> to buy that you know five thousand five hundred thousand dollars stone, the exhibitor is still going to tell you all about it. Because they're excited and they're passionate about it. And that's that's one of the things that I love here is is that the sharing of knowledge that goes on during this week is amazing. You know, if I could speak to that just for a second, too. Oftentimes, you know, as well as I do, that, you know, you have 10 people working in the store. And oftentimes, it's just the principals, maybe the manager and the owner that come down to the, uh, the show. And they get an opportunity to talk to these people and and, and get that, that passion and, and that knowledge but much of that passion and knowledge is also presented in our seminar programs we've got about 25 or 30 seminar programs you do and we provide that to members for free and if you're not a member you can purchase it for 50 dollars and you're talking about 20 25 hours of education that you can plug it into the machine you know whatever you plug a flash drive into and (laughs) show it on the screen you can even show it to your customers because oftentimes it's appropriate and if, for those of you that want your people to be better educated, more excited, um, th- that education is available to you. It's If someone makes a PowerPoint, the PowerPoint's right there, and you can hear the instructor's voice. You just can't see them. And it's a great way to get your people energized for a color gemstone show or something. Yeah. And knowledge is the absolute necessity for success in this business because knowledge is what leads to appreciation and appreciation leads to sales. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this year, if I, I mean, has been an amazing show. The traffic is insane. People are excited about color. It feels like we kind of went through this where um, it was uh, diamonds, diamonds, diamonds. And now people are so excited about color. And I bet you're excited too. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I reckon when you're excited, I'm excited. <laughs> no, but I think that's an extension, too. You know, look at our our clientele, our community, the people that come down here. They become more and more educated every time they come down. Yeah. And the more educated they become, the more excited they become. If they're really sharp, they've been working with colored gemstones, they know the value to their businesses, they're coming down here saying, what's new? Yep. Where's the new sources? Yep. Um, what, you know, I, I've got these basics I need to get through. So they have to, even at this small show like this, they have to focus. Yeah. Okay. Because it's like you say, small. Yeah. I mean, well, it's pretty big. If you, <laughs> if you compare it to, uh, a, a, like, like a, like the Las Vegas shows or anything right. like that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a, a jeweler cannot go to that show, a, a large show like in Las Vegas at the JCK show and, uh-huh wander around to see things they cannot do that you have to have appointments you know where you're going right here you can wander around a little bit okay if you want to you can scope the whole thing out strafe it in two or three hours 
Yeah. And then you can say, okay, I've gotten a good brush. Now let's start focusing on what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah, what did I see that I liked? And what's different here is yep. that it's it may be jewelry and may be loose, but it's all colored gemstones and cultured pearls. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about your watch department. You don't have to worry about your gold mm-hmm. department. You're just thinking, focus. just what can you do? And, you know, all it takes is meeting one more good vendor, mm-hmm. seeing one more pretty little line that you like, um, and that's all it takes to say you can go back home and you can have some great success. You can follow up afterwards, you know, introduce new things into your, your stores. So being here is an absolute must. If you can't come get the educational things, look at the, the CBS this morning and see the rubies on it. But there is nothing, especially with our product, like holding it in your hands and talking with the people that really know it. Yeah. Now, we have been members of AGTA for, like, ever, right? Since it started. Aren't yeah. we charter members? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yes, you absolutely are. Okay. <laughs> we, how did the show get started? Because people were showing in Tucson before, before AGTA. AGTA. Yes. How did this collective group of ragtag American gem dealers get together and form this organization? Okay. The, the the short story, which I'm not real good at short stories, but <laughs> the uh, Arizona is a tremendously mineral-rich state. Mm-hmm. And back in the 50s, I want to see 54, 6, somewhere in there, the the Tucson Gem, uh, uh, Gem and Mineral Society formed. Okay. Okay. It was a bunch of mineral dealers and people that loved, uh, you know, they were rock hounds and, yeah, and yeah. whatnot. And they they um, started a little show at a, a, a local uh, public school in an auditorium. Mm-hmm. And the, the mineral dealers would bring their stuff in and show. And it was, they had little education things. And it just became bigger because there's so much cool stuff here. And people started coming from around the world and saying, I want to show my minerals. And it just evolved. In the mid-60s, the Smithsonian Institute came down, and they did a, 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 um, um, a presentation, and they had an exhibit. And that all of a sudden put Tucson Gem and Mineral Show on the map. Okay. okay. In the mid-60s. Yeah, it was in the mid-60s. And, you know, I mean, there's mineral dealers that are gemstone dealers and gemstone dealers that are mineral dealers. Uh-huh. So it was kind of a natural thing. But the the organic nature of this thing just began to grow and then you know some mineral leaders said i can't get in the big show uh, with the tucson gem and mineral society because you know it's all full or whatever so i'm going to open up on this motel over here and and it started that you know this thing started growing in little tiny venues and things then i want to say about the 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 early 70s to mid 70s because the Knowledge and appreciation of colored gemstones started growing in the jewelry industry. Mm-hmm. The understanding of what was taking place here started growing in the industry. So as more gemstone dealers started coming yeah. down. People that were didn't know, you know minerals at all. But you had them kind of strong around the city and all the little different motels and things. Yep. And in 1981... There were a, there was a significant number of uh, United States gemstone dealers here, and it was the perfect storm because they were not happy with the show that they were showing at, and they said we should have our own show. So that was yeah. one um, catalyst. Okay. Oh my gosh, Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> That was one catalyst that made, uh, you know, maybe we're going to have a separate show. But at the same time, you know, there are dealers over at the DI or over at the Pueblo Inn. And I don't you're saying, we're thinking about having our own show, you know. So people started getting together. And there was a nice juxtaposition of just the guys who wanted to have a show and the guys and women that wanted to have an organization. We should have an organization that represents us. Yeah. And you had some people like your father. Um, Zychek, um, uh, Roland Naftel. Many of these people were involved with the American Gym Society as well. Yeah. That had a very strong code of ethics and belief in. And so it was all coming together and saying, why don't we have an organization? Why don't we, you know, have our own shell? <laughs> and so uh, Leon Richler and Ray Zychek went out to the Doubletree Hotel, wrote a check for a, a ballroom. They formed together and decided to make this association. Everyone threw a hundred bucks into a pot, 
Uh, they were all sitting around that legendary pool at a Holiday Inn somewhere, and it was raining. And, <laughs> and so they formed the association. They wrote uh, a constitution. They put together the Code of Ethics, and it was born. And here we are. And here we are. And, and what year was that? A couple, uh, That was 1981. The first show was in 1982 out at the Doubletree. Uh-huh. Two years later, the international dealer said, this is a cool idea, let's do it. And they formed the ICA, the International College Stone oh, Association. Okay. So it was the same people, but with, you know, some of the same kind of counterparts in a foreign. Mostly ICA is more producing countries. Uh, the AGTA is, we're a consuming country. So yes. we have dealers and manufacturers yes. and things. But... Um, they're they're kind of like very similar organizations. So, in 1987, I want to say we'll have to do a fact checker on this or something. Um, the, we had outgrown the DoubleTree very early on, uh-huh. and when we we uh, we arrived in an agreement with the Tucson Gem and Mineral Society, we said, "Look, we'd like to co-locate with you." And so they had their show. We took the ballroom upstairs and the North Exhibition Hall over there. It was just a kind of messy. And a couple of years later, we said, look, once you have your show here, we'll have our show here before and we'll co-join. And, and we provided incentives for them financially. So it was beneficial for them to do that. Uh-huh. So we managed to move into the, the full convention center. Yeah. And it has just grown exponentially. I mean, it, you know, many associations um, are not growing and they're not vibrant right now. Mm-hmm. Um, many product lines are not growing and are not vibrant. Many shows around the world are not vibrant right now. Ours is vibrant. Yeah. Our product is vibrant. It is people are becoming more and more aware of color, about the profit, about the excitability. And the nice thing about our show is that if you're involved in color, you can't wait for June. Yeah. You've got to come here to Tucson and yeah. see what's new. And what, what is right? I was more excited for this than Christmas this year. <laughs> I was. I was, was like, okay, we're going to Tucson. And then once January 1 hit, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to Tucson soon. And I always I always try to scope out your kind of think what I want to buy at Tucson this year or what, I don't know, what, what I can find. You just walk around and see what you can find. It's a fun place to be. Yeah. So um, what's your... What is one of your favorite Tucson stories? I got Frank's favorite. He used to make, like, cocktails with grapefruit, stay in the Lazy 8 Motel, big barbecues, lawn chairs in the pool, that kind of stuff. That was back in the day for Frank. You can't see Frank doing that now. (laughs) But he told me it was the Wild West out here. I want to hear your Wild West story. <laughs> we were all younger then. Um, you know, I, I don't think, Brecken, there was a um, one single story. I mean, if you gave me some time, those that I could repeat on the air, I would, I would share with you. But I, I want to think that the um, if if someone asked me and said, "Tell me about why." Why Tucson was so important. What what was most important to you about Tucson? Look, I love this show. I come down here now and my blood pressure goes down. Yeah. Okay, when I get here. I love the food. I love the town. I love the the desert. I love the mountains. I love Javier Del Bac. I love Sonoran hot dogs. Oh, yeah. But now it's a job. And I, I don't get me wrong. I love it. And it's exciting because it's what we live for. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. But I think the most, I mean, the coolest thing to me is to have grown up and been part of the development of this thing with Frank and with the Ray's Eye Checks and with the, you know, I was younger than them. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the point was I was here. And to look back and say, wow, you know, if you traveled around the world in 1980 and you went to Tanzania or you went to Sri Lanka or somewhere, you know, nobody knew what where Tucson was or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew where New York is. They know where Chicago is. Now I go to places around the world and I will be working with artisanal miners that do have cell phones, do have modern technology. Uh-huh. They all know where Tucson is. Of course, yeah. yeah. The color gemstone industry has 
become incredibly significant because color is incredibly significant. Yeah. And we're the only colored thing in nature that is permanent. Yes. All the rest of the color goes away. Fades. Comes back, then goes, goes away, away, comes back, goes away. But we were all part of building something that was incredibly uh, important. Incredibly, if it if it weren't for the American Gem Trade Association, there wouldn't be an International Color Gemstone Association. There mm-hmm. wouldn't be all these these people that have the ethics and the professionalism. They learned from us and if it wasn't for the American Gym Trade Association and the vision like your father had and, and those those pioneers that, that went before, w- the industry wouldn't be what it is today. I think yeah. it would be extremely chaotic. And it was really, as I told you, I was sitting in my office mm-hmm. when someone called me and said, would you like to be part of this? And I said, it would be really nice to leave with some kind of legacy to be part of something really, really important. Yeah. And I think that is my, my best story. I actually got to sit down at the table with some incredible people mm-hmm. and they opened doors for me. I got to tell you, I just got out of GIA as an instructor. I mean, I worked there a long time. I was a good instructor. I could speak and stuff, but the year I got out of GIA, I was a little Pisher colored stone dealer. I was on the board of the American gym trade association and I was showing in the bonsai room. And that was just because someone said, we like your passion. We like what you're saying. you got to be part of what we're doing. Just so happens I have a spot on the board. And this guy needs help in his booth. And you can share booths. And I was blessed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, my best story. What, what, that and the oranges on the trees at the double tree. But that's a... <laughs> that's a <laughs> what, was your, what was the first year you came to Tucson? Oh, maybe... 78 maybe okay. you know i was when i was an instructor okay i started teaching in in 1976 i was still in grade school <laughs> but um, i started teaching gi in 76 and it came a couple years after that after that yeah but it was you know like quick and dirty and you know we would we we traveled around the country teaching classes in the extension divisions and we always tried to kind of if we could we would do classes here so my experience here was um as an instructor teaching classes and we would when we could we would get out of the classes Sneak out and run around and we didn't start till noon oh, okay. right? so that gave you a little bit of time and yeah. then you know you could get down i mean some of these shows would stay open until midnight and you go into people's rooms and everything oh so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what we were, we were, we were hearing told. is that yeah. still at the at the pueblo shows like that because ever a lot of the people there's no sleep real security yeah. there's no vault so they sleep in their room so they said after hours, you know, dealer to dealer, and people are just wandering the halls. People are wandering around, and so it's it, it, that's the other thing I love <laughs> about, about Tucson as a whole is is that there still is a bit of that wild west. Wild oh yeah, west oh still yeah. here is that you know if you're from a you know a small country or a small miner and you have this material and you don't know what to do with it, you just show up in Tucson and hopefully find some hotel room to show it in and. I, it, it hasn't. It hasn't really changed much. It has, but it hasn't. I mean, there's there's different levels and yeah. It's you know you take a look at a lot of people out here on the floor. There's a whole bunch of them that used to sleep in their rooms, and mm-hmm. it's not just like that you, know, my dad. Yeah. you might say. Yeah, you might say that you know this person here and this person and all three of them shared a room yeah. for exhibition and it was you know you're younger you had your bathtub full of beer you <laughs> yeah 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 and, and you could do that <laughs> but you know unfortunately we grew up we become more successful but it's like you say there are people now right out there right now yeah. that are doing that simply because it's you know maybe you can afford the stones maybe you can afford the room maybe you can afford the security but if you can't afford them all together you kind of have to be creative yeah, yeah. But fortunately, this show is one of the safest in the world. Yeah. We have very few problems. Um, we have an excellent uh, relationship. All of our security are, are uh, Tucson police. Oh, I love them. They are they absolutely are the magnificent. And they're the same every year. They come back. Well, Brecken, actually, they're not the same every year. Some of our sons and daughters are the people who are the same people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's no. as long as she's been here. As long as I've been here. We and have generational police officers I've worked with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's... 
Like, you know, over by the coffee stand, and it's the same two officers, and one of them makes cheesecakes, Sarge's Cheesecakes. And we bought cheesecake from him last year, we bought brownies from him this year, and then it's, it's always fun to see familiar faces everywhere, you know, when you go somewhere. It's kind of a family. It is a family. It's one big worldwide family here in Tucson for the I just for these thought, few weeks. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get to see people. Look, I, I travel a lot and I see a lot of these people and things. But, you know, you come here and you see people you haven't seen all year long. And if you talk to most retailers, and I'm not just, you know, this is not pitch in Tucson. This is people's favorite show. Oh, yeah. It's fun. You know, obviously, there are people who are involved in color. And so they're going to gravitate to this. All right. Do you mind if I ask you a industry question right now? Sure. Hot button question. Ethically sourced. Yep. is a term that has been used it probably mostly started end of last year through the first of this year but there's no quantification of what that means what does ethically sourced mean um, so I can at some point see a problem here where people are saying oh this is ethically sourced but what does ethically sourced mean to you and you and you those could all be different things what does ethically sourced mean to AGTA? Yeah, you point out a very important thing, Brecken, and that is when you talk about terms like ethically sourced, responsibly sourced, fair trade, all of those terms are ill-defined. Yeah. Um, I And it is uh, uh, especially hard for the colored gemstone industry because we have such a... Um, a diverse market channel. Mm-hmm. We have um, such a diverse community. We're in all countries. Um, much of it is artisanally produced. Yeah. Okay. So you don't have the big major extraction companies that have, you know, certain working conditions and rules and benefits and everything. So it's a it's somewhat chaotic industry. I have had in you know pretty in-depth training about social responsibility and how it's done and, and whatnot. And I will tell you that you can boil it down and say, if you want to be ethically sourced or have materials that are ethically sourced, you have to do what you can to make sure that it's done right mm-hmm. and done properly mm-hmm. as best you can. Yeah. If you're an Eric Bronwart, mm-hmm. uh, Columbia Gym House, where he has a mind and he goes, you know, and it comes out of the ground or if you're a Bruce Bridges, okay, yeah. you have the, and I'm, Mine ownership. Mine ownership, because there you are, okay? And you can take it all the way through the process, and you make sure that your child labor is non-existent, that uh, there's not ecological impact that's damaging the environment. Mm -hmm. You make sure that it is um, exported through legal channels and brought into the country appropriately. All that is the ideal Mm -hmm. of an ethically sourced, transparent supply chain. But... But probably less than one percent of the gems on the floor come from it, if that from a mine many, owner. If that many, correct. Yeah, and then you have you, you know you have situations then where you have people that the dealers that go out to the mines, they actually visit the mines and they buy the material and they go and export it. Uh, and there's a supply chain that is um, trans. I mean, at least traceable. Yeah. Right. Ethical means that you haven't. You know, you're not buying it from some miner who has. Um, child labor or, or they're they're ripping up the environment to do it. Yeah. And then it, it just goes down from there. You know, I mean, there some people have direct access all the way to the mine and some people do not. Yeah. But what we're, what, what, what's really coming together with the colored gemstone industry, with the different associations working together and uh, AGTA and ICA and SIBJO and IEDCA, and national associations, we say, first of all, let's define what doing good is. Yeah. Yeah, okay? let's define yeah. And if you take a look at all of the um, groups in our industry, it's not too much different than the, the United Nations uh, Millennium Goals, mm-hmm. you know, or there, there, there are um, organizations for other industries that, that uh, deal with the same kind of issues. So what we're doing now as an industry is colored gemstones is we've always kind of been ignored in this because those groups that did address transparent supply chain saw it was a much easier job with diamonds or gold than yeah. it is oh, with colored absolutely. gemstones. Sure. And now the consumer 
and the retailers are saying, we feel good about the way this product has been presented, that it is ethically sourced. We'd like to see this with colored gemstones as well. Mm-hmm. So right now what we're wrestling with is just how do you do that with a unique supply chain like we have? Yeah. And what it really comes down to uh, is that there are certain things that you need to say, this is what should be and must be done in our industry. What are the labor conditions? Are people being fa- pay, uh, paid fairly? Yeah. Are they able to profit and improve their living conditions yeah. from the sale of these gemstones? Are they being exported legally? Are they um, creating environmental damage? And if there is, is it being um, taken care Reclaimed. of? You know, yeah. Are you trying to reclaim this land? Um, is the, the sale of gemstones in this country providing... Uh, an improvement in the life, the living conditions that mm-hmm. are there. And in most cases, certainly there are areas of conflict. Mm-hmm. But you oversimplify when you just say conflict gemstones. Yeah, um, It's just as important, in fact, arguably more important, that you understand what the, the, the living conditions, the, the quality of life, and how you can improve that quality of life. If you're taking gemstones out of the ground and working with people that are doing that, and the, the quality of life is not good there, it doesn't matter whether there's conflict or not. Yeah. You're not providing the things that you need. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're working for, and we're working with a very difficult, chaotic supply chain. Yeah. But if everyone along the chain is saying, let's see what we can improve. Let's see what we can do better. Let's see how um, we can improve conditions for the people there. Yeah. Um, I had an interesting interview with a a reporter from um, National Geographic magazine. And he was talking about the the, um, loss of habitat for lemurs in, in Madagascar. And, you know, we had an interesting discussion. I said, you know, the loss of habitat for lemurs has to be addressed. It has to be looked at. But you also have to consider that some of that loss of habitat is for people who are clearing land to grow food mm-hmm. in a very, very poor country that they don't have enough food. Yeah. And they can't import it because they don't have any money. And so I guess what I'm saying, Brecken, is you can't, uh, you can't oversimplify, say, that you know it's that easy to take care of or that all solutions come without pain or that you yeah. know it, it's a complex yeah. situation but I, in my, in my, if i just may, yeah, yeah, please. in most studies that you will you will read and that you will take a look at where they take about take a look at emerging countries that um, are trying to provide improved conditions artisanal mining and certainly gemstone mining is one of the best things that those countries can do to improve the conditions in those countries. Yeah. And we saw that on our recent trip to Africa. Yeah, we we saw it. We, we saw it. We saw that the, the betterment of, and it, and it went from the, the very bottom of people that weren't. weren't well, it went from children. Well. Yeah, it went from children, children all the way up. All of a sudden doing better just because the gem industry opened up in that area. And I mean, they had what? more access to food. They had more access to education. They had more access, and you know, and that's why it touched us enough to, to join with the Devon Foundation, who supports them. Yeah. So it's and give but, back. So we saw that is, is that that the, the gem industry brings in it brings attention to places that are very poor and don't have a lot of resources and adds to. Oh yeah, and you know the thing is, is sometimes you know look. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I've climbed down in those mines. Yes. And it's not easy. No. No. Okay. But, you know, you say that, <coughs> you have to say that, first of all, a lot of the, the, even the young people that are working in the mines don't work there all year long. Yeah. They work when there is production. Yeah. Right? Uh, they work when it's the dry season. Yep. And they're, they're working their land or, you know, they're working their land and doing things at a time when they can provide for their families. And <clears throat> in some cases, mining helps them supplement that thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what you say about Tanzania, when you go there and you see the schools and you see the kids and you see the beneficiation projects that the gemstone industry, and I would like to say that we've always been doing it, mm-hmm. but we haven't. 
But, yeah. you know, we're maturing just like other industries do. Whether you're talking about Tom's Shoes or you're talking about, yeah. you know, fair trade uh, coffee and things responsibly sourced. The consumer, the young people want this. Um, and it's an issue that we are going to have to address and improve on. Yeah. Just like everybody else does. Yeah. yeah. It's one, a work in progress. Yeah. The one thing I can say is that gemstones make people happy all the way through the process. Yeah. It's like how happy. When they're working. And it is tough. It's hard work. Either hot or it's dirty or it's whatever. I can't think of a mine that I've been to. Where the miners aren't all, all smiling. smiling. And happy to share that passion. Yeah. Even from the ground level. I mean, it's a treasure hunt. It all is. All the way from the beginning yeah. out of the ground, it's a treasure hunt. All the way to the HTA gym hall. It's a, still a treasure hunt. Yeah. And every part of that process, even if it is dirty or hard conditions or whatever, they're still smiling. And that's one of the things that I They're love still about excited. <laughs> as excited as you were in the bathroom with your Alexandrite. Let me, <laughs> let, let me tell you something real quick. I went to the IDCA dinner the other night and Ruben was honored. Ruben mm-hmm. Binner. Right. And he started telling stories just like that. He says, you know, you go to the mines and you see that that pebble comes out of the ground and there's a smile on that face. And he just went through the, the entire market chain. He says, the brokers that come in, they see a beautiful piece and they're smiling at each other. And the cutter is pleased with his. Uh, and he just went all the way through to the counter yeah. where that customer yeah. just. And he says, what we have is we have smiles from mine to market. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, yeah. smile from mine to market. I we took did. out, I, I, I went out and I got smiles from mine to market.com instantly. It's all locked up. <laughs> you own it. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, and you know, the best thing I've seen, we try to make this so complex many times about this transparent supply chain and every single step of the way. And, and, and knowing about how to, to assure our customers that they're, you know, we're taking care of the, our planet and things. But I love the, the, the phrase from Diamond Empowerment Fund, diamonds do good. I mean, it's so simple and you can show examples and it's not complex for a customer to grasp, sure. you know. And the same thing with colored gemstones. You know, we can't do colored gemstones do good because we'd probably, you know, bump heads with the diamond people. But, you know, we have to tell that story. But we have to share that story with people working behind the counter that just don't know our world. Yeah. And we have to distill it down into an area that not only can we make them understand, but they can easily make their customer understand. And I think think we need to do a better job as an industry of sharing that story. Yes. And that's just back to the question, you know, Jonathan, about education. The more education you have, the, the better it is. But the education has to be accessible and deliverable by people with we're way too sophisticated to we understand these issues but someone that's <coughs> working by the cells scanner they have other lives they have kids they have school they have all the things they have to deal with but i will tell you that in in the work i've done just in terms of corporate or social responsibility in the seminars and classes and things i've taken there are two very very important things the uh, and it's not just young people. Your customers respond to it. If you can tell a good story, simple story, you don't have to understand and control conditions in Tanzania. It's the same kinds of things that you do in your own community and store. Mm-hmm. Do you recycle? Do you uh, have diversity in your hiring? Do you <coughs> excuse me make the efforts to improve your community? Your customers will respond to that, <coughs> and you will retain and keep employees longer because they like to feel good about where they're working yeah i agree 100 percent. all right so we want to thank you for joining us for another episode of gem junkies and we want to thank doug hucker for his time and giving us some great insight to uh all about the agta into the, i just thought we came to tucson because it was warm yeah. Like, I thought they picked a warm place in February, but, but yeah. So much, no, so much yeah, more Yeah, there's yeah. so much more into it. But, again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. I'm Brecken. And this is Jonathan. And if you want to see what we do in our real life, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Parlay Gems. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.